Hello everyone, welcome back to See the Sunrise. This is season four and episode two. Seeing the sunrise is about seeing Christ in everyday situations. And when I say sunrise, I'm talking about the S-O-N, not the S-U-N. Seeing the sunrise is an opportunity to see Christ in our lives. It is in the book of Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse three, where the Lord speaks to the prophet while he's in prison. He says to him, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Seeing the sunrise is an opportunity to see what God is doing behind the scenes, but not only behind the scenes, but in the lives of everyday people like you and me. From the pulpit to the pew, we all have had various challenges and experiences that bring us to a need for Christ in our lives. So this week, I want to talk about something that came became heightened as the result of if you're a uh, um, if you're from America and you watch the NFL and football, we saw that prayer played a significant role in many homes because of a severe injury we saw happen right in front of our eyes. So I thought I would just talk about prayer for a little bit, and I think it's really important that we understand how important prayer is. So. What exactly is prayer? We've heard it defined as a conversation with God, a, a plea, um, a relationship, but exactly what is it and why do we do it? And is it as effective as we'd like it to be? Well, that's a lot of questions that I too once needed answers. But I also found that there is an order to prayer something I understood from Jesus's prayer to his father that, or the way he taught the disciples in Matthew chapter six. Notice when Jesus began his prayer, he began with inclusivity. He said, our father. The only way you can say our father is, is if he is your father as well. He says, our father, recognizing that only those who believe in God can call him our father. And when we call him our father, he knows who we are and he recognizes where we are. If you are his child, then you ought to know where he lives and he knows where we live. So why wouldn't we know where he lives? You see, Jesus was personal because he could be personal because he understood his place and he understood his father and he understood who his father was and is and he knew where to find him. Just from those first two lines of the prayer that he taught the disciples, you can begin to understand that prayer to God is offered by those who know him and know how to get to him. You know, when it comes to um, a mother-child relationship, and I understand everyone didn't come from that kind of home, I didn't, but I understand that when it comes to a, a parent, a father or a mother, truly those that love us, we know how to find them. And usually it's in pain that we go seeking them out, especially as adults. But when we're children, we go to them even more. And as God's children, we should be going to God often, not just to ask for things, but to seek his wisdom and his guidance. When the disciples obviously observed Jesus, they've obviously watched him pray. And when they watched him pray, they wanted Jesus to teach them because they realized how important prayer was in the life of Christ. It was a priority. 
and it was a necessity. It was a necessity because he desired and wanted to be and needed to be close in close contact with his father. And when you understand his mission, you understand why he needed to be that close. He realized the power in prayer and the necessity for prayer. As the son of God, Jesus knew that his relationship was vital to achieving what God had set him out to do, because not only is there power in prayer, but there's peace in prayer. We understand Jesus's mission. We understand how he was going to be ridiculed and poked and beaten and accused. And he knew that he wasn't going to be able to do that in his own strength. He was going to need the power of God. Before Jesus asked for anything, he acknowledges who his father is and what he wants. He tells him, he says, hallowed be your name. You know, to, he's asking God to be worshiped. He's telling them, you got to worship God in prayer. You got to honor him. You got to adore him. You got to exalt him. And he's exalting him as he is in heaven. He says, hallowed be thy name. And he's, he's asking God to move and act in the world so that people will worship and treasure him above all things. That's when you hallow, it, hallow God's name. You are asking that his name be recognized and be adored and that we realize the treasure that he is. And then he goes on to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In other words, whatever God wants must be your priority in prayer. That really is worth saying again. Whatever God wants must be the priority in prayer. Let me tell you why that's difficult. You ever had someone that's sick? And God, you love that person. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a cousin. Maybe it was a significant other. But they, they received that diagnosis and just, um, it was dire. The doctor get, gives no sense of hope. And you want God's will. And sometimes God's will doesn't align with your will. Maybe you want them to live on this side and God is saying, no, it would be far better if they were with me. When you, be, when, when you are saying thy kingdom come, thy will be done, what you're saying is, God, what you want has to be first. That does not mean you can't say, God, it is my hope, my desire that they be with me, but thy will be done, thy kingdom come. You see that right there would stop a lot of people from praying. Jesus doesn't ask for things that aren't needful. When he called the disciples, I don't recall him going, go, I don't recall any of them going to pack their bags before they followed him. No, there must have been something about Jesus, something so powerful that they dropped everything they had, those nets full of fish, they walked away and followed him. They literally put down their nets and followed after Jesus. In prayer, Jesus asked for forgiveness. Why? Jesus was sinless. But remember, he was teaching them how to pray. So since uh, sin is all around us, I dare say there's not an action or a thought that you do not need to ask for forgiveness. We need to ask for forgiveness. Remember, we were born in iniquity and iniquity being sin. And sin can be even your thoughts without acting on them. It could be looking at something in, a, in an un, unsavory way or in a way that doesn't please God. But God forgives as we forgive. And we need protection from the enemy that seeks to ensnare us. And so with that, Jesus says, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Notice, Jesus doesn't go on and on and on in that prayer. He says, it's a brief paragraph of six to seven sentences. And if you're counting and you say she's off in sentences, then you're focusing on the wrong thing. I'm focusing on the necessity and the need for prayer. You don't hear Jesus asking for unnecessary things, but just for the things for that day. Think about all the shopping and the things you did over the holidays. Do you remember all of the things you received or all of the things you gave and how were they received? Was it something that they needed or did you feel like, well, they could have kept that. I really didn't need that. Or why are they giving me this? Think about some of the thoughts you have towards some of the gifting that you do receive. Jesus doesn't teach us to ask for unnecessary things, but just for the things to get us through the day. It mirrors, it mirrors the Israelites when they wandered in the wilderness. They were given food for just one day and it was provided every day, except when it came to the Sabbath. It was then that they could collect for more than one day. And that was then and only then. And then it was only for those two, two days. You see, Jesus provides for our needs. And if you believe he provides for your needs, then you don't need to pray and ask for unnecessary things. You see, prayer isn't about getting what you want, but doing what God wants, what God needs. When we ask someone to pray for us, are they really, truly praying in confidence? Do they really have a relationship with God? When is the last time they prayed or that you knew they prayed? See right there, that's sin for you to even think that someone isn't praying for you. Yeah, I mean, why would you why would even think that? Because we are human flesh. You know, when when you prayed, the last time you prayed, was it out of selfish motivation or because you believe they real that you don't really believe that there is power in prayer? You did it because you thought out of obligation and duty. How sincere were you? How much did you believe what you were saying? Let me ask another way. When was the last time someone asked you to pray for them? And how effective do you believe your prayer was? And do you believe that God heard you or that you can look for God to hear you? Can you look for him to hear you? When we prayed for this young man who was injured on a football field, I dare tell you there was a nation praying. And we saw a miracle happen because some were saying, no, he's not going to get up from that. No, he'll probably never play again. But I'll tell you what, God must have heard those prayers because that young man, I'm told, already has walked into the locker room of his form, of his teammates and wanting to see them I, after having a heart attack. How, how does that happen? But God. So let's talk about the relationship in prayer. Why is relationship important? Well, first of all, how can you talk to someone you don't know? And more importantly, how can you ask someone or anything from someone you don't know? Because when you know someone, you know their character and what's okay or what's not okay to ask. Think of it this way. Would you ask someone that you only have a casual relationship with for anything? How can you ask God to heal, deliver, or set free if, in fact, you haven't spent any time with him? That would suggest that you don't really know him, and thus, you only go to him when you have a need. You have to ask yourself, does he really know me? Of course he does. That answer is yes. All you need to do is ask the psalmist in Psalms 139. He said, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out 
and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. See, this psalm is saying, God knows you. The question becomes, do you know him? The psalmist says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. He says, where can I go from you? From your spirit. Where can I flee from your presence? He said, if I go in heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. I think the uh, King James Version said, in Sheol or hell, you are there. He says, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your hand will hold me fast. You know what that psalm is saying? You can be reassured that God is right there with you. You are not alone. That's why relationship is important. He says, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Now see, just like in prayer, where we say, hallowed be thy name, where we are adoring God and honoring God, the psalmist does the same thing. He says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. See, he gives credit to the one who created him. He said, your works are wonderful and I know that full well. He says, my frame's not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. Think of the, 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 what it would take for someone to understand all that about you. He says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. What he's saying is, thy will be done. Lord, you ordained me for a work and I want to do that work is what we ought to be saying in prayer. That's what we're saying. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. How precious. To me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. What a blessing to know God doesn't leave. If only you, God, would slay the wicked away from me who are bloodthirsty. So you can ask God for stuff when he knows what he has put you here for, and what he's placed you here for. When they speak evil about you, your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. But then he says, Lord, because see, we have to ask for forgiveness for those things that are outside of God's will. He says, search me, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, and see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me to the life and to the way everlasting. What he's saying is, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You see, the Bible is full of wisdom and full of examples that help us to understand and know that God is with us. That's why we want to pray to him. You can only recite the 139th Psalm when you recognize that God is a creator, is the creator, that he formed you, set you in place and knew and knows what you will do, when you will do it and how you'll do it, and more. Jesus, the Son of God, the Holy One, he knew the importance of prayer, and he modeled prayer for all of us. His was a life of prayer and consistently going off to a quiet place to talk to his father, to talk to his daddy. No interruptions, no fanfare, just a moment to engage and to seek and to honor and to be lifted up and to get refreshed. Sometimes even the most seasoned of us miss it when it comes to how to pray. Prayer is an acknowledgement of the role God has in our lives. He is, if you're born again, 
our Father, and he lives in heaven. His name is to be, is to be worshiped and honored. His name is to be exalted. He is our gift. He is our treasure, and treasure is valuable. And in the case of God, it is incomprehensible. We can't conceive his greatness. It means he is to be worshiped above anything and anyone. Think of it. Jesus, God's son, who, one of the triune God, honored his father. So what does that say about us? God is allowing us, because of his son, to come into his very presence and pray. We've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. Spirit gives us power, and Jesus makes intercession for us on behalf of us to his Father. We've got the triune God working on our behalf. Why did they say, teach me how to pray? Because they wanted that close relationship with the Father, to be one with him, to grow in their relationship with him to understand the needs that God has for us, his purpose that he established us. That's why we should pray. And that's why they asked, that disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. When you don't know how to pray, go to Mark, Matthew, I'm sorry, chapter six. Just as he asked the disciples or the disciples asked him, you too can ask him, Lord, teach me how to pray. And any specific request, you can say, teach me what to pray for. Because we know thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. I'm Amen. This is See the Sunrise. We want you to see God in everyday situations. God bless you, brothers and sisters. I pray the next time you bow your head or you get on your knees or you lay before the God, before our God, seek his will. Seek his way, and most of all, see the sun, see the sunrise.